Welcome to the Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli, along with my friend Barry Schuster, the founding editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. How you doing, Barry? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks very much for asking. I'm looking forward to talking to our special guest today and finding out how they got in the restaurant business, why they got in the restaurant business, and hearing some pearls of wisdom from them uh, that be useful to our, our listeners today. Absolutely. And we're going to have some fun because we've got a really good show lined up. So uh, grab a drink, make yourself comfortable, and welcome to the Corner Booth. Barry, I am really, really happy today that we've got Gary Adair with us in the studio here for the Corner Booth. Uh, Gary is the founder of Adair Restaurant Groups. It's a independently owned, uh, multi-concept um, restaurant management group based right here in Houston, Texas. Gary, welcome to the Corner Booth. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here, and I'm anxious to answer a few questions. See what I can uh, see what I can learn. Gary, great to meet you, and uh, yes, welcome to the Corner Booth. Uh, we were talking offline and uh, you were talking about your history getting into this, as you call it, this crazy business. So um, how did you get your start? Well, it's uh, it's a <laughs> it's only a 40 year story, so uh, I'll try to keep it brief. But I got in the restaurant business initially, as, as so many of us do, as a part time job. In high school, I, I uh, started it literally as a busboy and, and dishwasher and all that at a local little steakhouse. And, uh, you know, from there it was, you know, they moved me up to cook and, and this, that, and the other. But, you know, it was just a part-time job. When I got to college, that changed a little bit because I went to the University of Houston. And, and at the University of Houston, most of us, particularly in those days, were, were sort of working our way through school. So at that point in time, I became a, a waiter and bartender. And uh, I waited tables out at the old Mason Jar, which out on the Katy Freeway, and it was really a, a just an incredible, uh, incredibly busy restaurant. But it was really one of the very most popular restaurants in town. Yeah, it was a time. great concept for its day. Yes. Well, yeah, it was really, really neat. And and uh, you know, I think I told you guys some of this. You know, Houston was such a um, golly. It, it, the restaurant industry was really just starting in in Texas, but in Houston in particular, because liquor by the drink had only passed in around at about 1970, and so the period I'm talking about now is in 73, 4, 5. Uh, when when I'm just sort of getting my toe in the restaurant business, but even at that point in time, my I, I was at the University of Houston, but my degree was in business and marketing. I, I really had no intention of being in the restaurant business. Um, you know, I graduated, I got a job downtown like you were supposed to. I was, uh, you know, I, that's that's the my dad was in you know in the oil business. I that that was where I was going to go if you would have asked me at 21 or two. And then out of the blue, I got a phone call from a friend, a guy named Frank Roach, and uh, he said that he was going to start a new restaurant, and, uh, and I'll give you a little history on Frank, but uh, he wanted to know if I wanted to, to, to get in with him and uh, just as a manager, and, and I, <laughs> I told him absolutely not. I had already learned the hard hours of the restaurant <laughs> business. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so anyway, we talked for a little while and maybe a month or two. And again, I'm still in my very early 20s. And so finally, I decided to take a chance and I went to work with Frank. And then Frank uh, had started Spanky's Pizza over by the University of Houston. And then from there, he was about to start uh, Gabby's Barbecue. And what was interesting about Frank and my real entry into the business is Frank in high school, he'd gone to Bel Air High School, and in high school, he worked for the original Pizza Hut franchise E 
in the Houston market. I did not know that. And he watched this guy, you know, start with one franchise and build, you know, I think over over several years, built 20 something stores and he turned around and sold it for about $7 million. And Frank looked at that and he says, that's what I want to do when I grow up. So Frank's, Frank's approach wasn't, I'm a great chef, I want to put out this great product. His approach was a business approach. You yes. know, he saw it as a, as a business opportunity. So now again, flash forward, he calls me one day. He had, uh, he had seen a few of the early restaurants in Houston. One of them was Luther's, which was started by Chandler. And I know y'all have talked about him in past deals. And uh, so, you know, Chandler had opened these two Luther's barbecue that were just doing gangbusters. And Frank saw that and, and sort of used that as a model to think, yes. I can, I, I know a lot about the barbecue bit business. I think I can get into that and do something with it. So that's where I sort of come into the real management side of the restaurant business. I agreed to work for Frank. I managed the very first Gabby's. Uh, it was out in the southwest part of town, and then from there they began to build, a, you know, a few more stores. And so for seven years, I worked in that that development stage of of his restaurants. So I was the first manager, and then you know you got to three or four stores. You needed a supervisor. I became that guy. Uh, you know, we got a little further along. They began franchising. They were all always their vision was to build this this you know this developable concept. Excellent. And uh, so the, the, the big story there is, is I got to learn the business and make all the mistakes on their nickel. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they, they had great faith in me. They let me do things. They, they, you know, they, 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 they're, they're anyway, they, they, it was just a great place to learn. So you sort of flash through my life. Like I said, I was there about seven years. So now a few things changed. When I started, I was a single man. By the time seven years later, I'm married. Now I've got a couple of kids. And so, you know, as I look at my own restaurant history, a lot of it paralleled with my own stations in life. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're in your 20s, right. you you know, you're, you, you don't have a lot of responsibilities, whether you think you do or not. You know, you can just work all the time and that's great. Uh, <clears throat> And, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, what happened to me is I finally said, you know, I, I, I want to, it, it sort of came time to do my own deal. And, you know, I guess that's the way to put it. And so that is when we started Skeeter's. And Skeeter's was a uh, neighborhood hamburger joint. It still is. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're, we opened over in Westview. I live in Bel Air. But it was, it, it was all that it was intended to be. You know, it, it, I had just, you know, a little personal history. My dad was one of those guys that had just worked and worked and worked himself to death. And literally, and he died when I was pretty young. And I was determined I wasn't going to do those 80-hour weeks that, for the whole, my whole life. Good. And I've got two little kids. And so yeah. Skeeter's just sort of fit. I was able to design a concept that sort of fit who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Neighborhood joint, sort of regular hours, not the big liquor presence. Right. Uh, you know, and, and honestly, when we started it, I was literally the grill guy and my wife, who at that time was teaching school also, but she'd come in after school and she was our cashier at night. Mm -hmm. And that's and what we were. As I, and it was counter service, which counter was service. sort of a new thing back then, because now you're, we're just in the 80s, right? Right. 
So this was kind of fast casual before we even called it that. Before we ever called, well, yeah, I certainly didn't know what fast casual was. And at it that was point lunch time. and dinner, right? Lunch and dinner. Seven we days opened, a week. Seven days a week. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, and it was, and again, just a glorified, uh, you know, just big old hamburger joint. And it was neighborhood friendly. And I mean, that's a common term now, but that was a big deal to us. You mm -hmm. know, we were. You know, again, my kids are at a certain age. You know, I'm involved in the Little League. I'm, my wife's involved in the PTO and all that that goes with it. And that's, who, that's what that restaurant was. Barry, this is a good time for us to send some special thanks to all those who support the independent restaurant operating community. Like today's sponsor, Lone Star Liquor Licensing Company. Our friends Gerald and Keith are the premier authorities on the subject of liquor license process for sale of liquor, beer and wine in all restaurants and bars so hey listeners whether your needs are retail catering wholesale or manufacturing licensing whether you're opening or maybe you're considering renewing your permit or just have compliance questions contact the folks at lone star liquor licensing at lonestarliquorlicense.com you, you know the things that you're saying here uh, hit me uh, a number of directions and one of them, uh, having talked to a lot of uh, younger operators and wannabe operators, you're kind of speaking their language. Uh, of course, they talk in terms of work-life balance. But, um, and you're saying that, you know, you were going to find a concept that was going to work so that you could have, let's call it in modern terms, work-life balance. Um, how important was that, do you think, in those early days for your success to be sustainable that you were insightful enough to say, listen, I got to do something that's going to allow me to enjoy the rest of my life, not just working every day. Well, it was it was the driving force. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it really mm -hmm. was. I Again, all of us that are even touched a little bit in the restaurant industry, whether it's a friend or a brother-in-law or somebody that's in it, just knows the pitfalls and, and, and all that that entails. I wasn't going to put myself in that trap. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I, again, I had been, it, you know, I had already been a, you know, a high volume operator. I had already been a multi-unit supervisor. Uh, you know, I knew, I knew both sides of the business. I knew the food side. I'd been through the purchasing side, but I'd also learned all about leases and. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I had sort of a lot of experience uh, as far as an operator was concerned. I knew, so I, it was a little easier for me to sort of mold what concept I wanted to have. Now, another thing that's a little weird now, or weird at that time, is uh, the economy had, had, was in a, this was a savings and loan slump time. So the yeah. economy was in, you know, was really in a terrible slump. And because of that, there were a lot of empty shelves around town. And when I first called on the first Spankies, it was really a, a, sort of a fun, or Spankies, uh, the first Skeeters, um, it, it was really a bit of a funny story because I, you know, it, it had already been a two-time loser. And I picked, but I, I just knew the site was right. And, and so I picked up the phone and I called the people and, and they said, well, we appreciate it, but the landlord has, has sort of made up their mind. It's not a restaurant site. And, uh, you know, thanks. Well, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm sort of persistent. Really? <laughs> and so... Uh, so, you know, I waited a week and I thought, no, 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 I, I got I to gotta call this guy back. And so I did. And I said, you know, I really want to talk to somebody. And they said, well, it's a family run center. It was a big family run center. If you know that area, it was Wesleyan at, at Bissonette. Big, it, that day it was it had been a wine garden center. Now it was a big Randall center. And it but it was owned by a family. 
and uh, uh, Mrs. Green was sort of the head of the of the outfit at the time. And and so uh, anyway, he tells me, look, Miss Green, you know, she just doesn't think it's a restaurant site. And I, and I just begged the guy. I said, can you get me in front of her? And uh, and let me just tell my story. And so he did. He, he couldn't have been nicer. And, and so I got there and I got to meet Miss Green and I had my little you know, performa and everything. And I, I just was able to literally sit down at her couch in, in, uh, in her office and explain what I wanted to do. And she just looked up and says, I think we can give you a chance. And so we were able to open. Mm -hmm. Now again, it had been a, it had been a restaurant before. So, right. so it was, it, for me anyway, it was cheaper to open. I didn't have a lot of money, you know, right. I, you know, so it already had the utilities in place. It already had a lot of that. So, uh, Anyway, from there we opened Skeeters, and persistence but, pays off. It's the That's word because that did it worked out to be a wonderful location. Absolutely, Good for you. absolutely. Um, and and you know, and that's where the story really gets sort of funny because if you had asked me then, so that was April thirtieth of of nineteen eighty eight. If you would have asked me then, you know, what do you think you're going to be doing in ten years? I'd say I'm going to be right here. You know, this I, I wasn't opening it to build a bunch. You know, I just wanted to run that one store back to the lifestyle yeah, thing right. that I could uh, make a good living. You know, I wasn't driven to be a zillionaire or, or any of that. I wanted I wanted a vehicle that would be that would make a good living that I also enjoyed. Now, don't you know, right. don't please don't misunderstand. I love the restaurant business. Right. You know? But um, but anyway, so there we were. So. You know the the growth part. How did that happen? Then? Well, it's, it's after '88. Eventually, it happened where your mentality changed. At some point, you said, "Hey, there's something more we can do with this." What What was the big turning point? You know, because we've heard this story before. Johnny Caraba. I mean, look how many units that he he has, and he told us, you know, I just wanted to be a guy who owned a restaurant. Yep. <laughs> well, it's a two. It's it's sort of two parts. So. I get a phone call from a guy, uh, his name is Dan Vogel, saying Dan had had been with us at Gabby's as we went through our growth period. He had actually left and gone to work for Chili's. And he, when Chili's was just really starting their expansion. And so he, uh, he was uh, running a store in Fort Worth. No, it wasn't, it was Baton Rouge, excuse me. He was running a store in Baton Rouge and he had just become engaged. And he, again, sort of lifestyle wise, his fiance wasn't interested in the bouncing, you know, uh, lifestyle that he was gonna be because in those days, Chili's would take you from, you know, you do Baton Rouge and then you go to Lafayette and then you go to yeah. Atlanta yeah. or wherever you sure. go. He wanted to come back to Houston and get into a regular scenario. So he called me and asked me if I would uh, maybe set him up with some interviews here in town. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I said, sure, I'd be happy to do that. And, and so I hung up the phone and I just got to thinking, I said, this guy's got so much talent. Again, he'd been a multi-unit operator. I'd seen him. I'd been elbow to elbow with him mm -hmm. in Greece, so to speak. And um, <clears throat> I picked up the phone, I called him back and I said, hey, Dan, if we, I can't pay you what you're really looking for right now, but if you'll come to work for us for a year, we'll build a second store and give you a part of it. And that, in, that was intriguing to him. And so that's what we did. So after five years, we, and again, back to the, the second part, mm -hmm. the lifestyle was different. You know, now right. my first restaurant's doing okay. Yeah. I'm making my mortgage, okay. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I've got stability in my life and, and I'm running my store and I'm having a good time with it. But all of a sudden it was sort of, you know, again, my life's in a, in a good spot. The guys come along. And so I had the guy first. 
What a good lesson there, starting with people. You know, we've learned that before, too, that growth always starts with people. Yeah. You don't have the right people to build around. And so way back then, that's exactly what you were doing. And and so off we went. We built our, our second Skeeters in Sugarland five years after we opened the first. Excellent. Okay. So now, fast forward two more years. Mm-hmm. And basically the same thing happened again. Guy, Don Hill, who had worked for us at, at, at Gabby's and, you know, I'd, actually he was in my wedding. We were great friends. He had left Gabby's and gone to work for Two Pesos, the Taco Cabana. Oh, yeah. Folks. Sure, yeah. yeah. And he had worked his way through their multi-management, multi-unit mm-hmm. management. He was actually running several states. Uh-huh. He was, you know, he was really, you know, uh, he, he really uh, was was very successful with those guys and had been through their whole transition with Two Pesos and, and Taco Cabana. So he was he was uh, really a seasoned veteran, uh, much more than I had been. But same sort of deal. He got married. He wanted. He was tired of flying back and forth to Phoenix or wherever he was having to go mm-hmm. that week. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, you and Dan. He knew Dan. He said, you and Dan have done that second one. You know, I, I want to come back. He had a little money because he had been part of their growth. And I said, you know what? Keep your money. Let's do the same thing we did with Dan. Mm-hmm. Let's go find another site. Let's put you into it one way or another. And and we did that. So now, seven years later, yeah. we've got three stores. Right. World's slowest growing restaurant group. What, what a lesson, though. I mean, it, it, it sounds like you went to this first unit, not with any huge plans, but there were the right time and the right people came along where you felt comfortable taking it to the next step. I think some of the, you know, we've called this with some of our younger operators organic growth. It wasn't like you had this big scheme, uh, you know, to to rule the world from day one and you were going to have so many units by, you know, by X number of years. You were going to let this take its own course. And when the right people in the right time came along, then you would take that next step. Am I getting it? That's exactly right. it's, It's exactly what we did. And you know what? Um, along the way, although this was very good, slow, methodic growth, but along the way, you did something that uh, that I don't see very many small hands-on independents do, and that's uh, grow through acquisition. Exactly. Because then you pick up a very well-established, well-known family restaurant uh uh, based here in Houston, multi-unit concept. Can you walk us through how that? Yeah, happened? tell us about that because I have a lot of questions about that approach. Get ready. Uh, it, it, you know, it. it <laughs> well, ready. it. So, so again, we're we're at three stores. We've but we've got three guys: mm-hmm. myself, Dan, and Don. That that know multi-unit management. All right. right. Again, station Starting of life. Okay. By all this time, we're sort of all all three stores are, are successful. All you know, we're in a good spot. And, and uh, we looked around and we said, you know, because we were getting covered up with offers and, you know, can you do this? And, and you know, normally, and we're not normal, but normal, if you've got a hot concept at a certain time, you know, either real estate agents or somebody are sure, pulling over sure. on you to, to try to grow. So we just looked at each, the three of us looked at each other and said, you know, we've got the talent to take it to the next level. Not sure what that next level is, but what is, so we came up with sort of a, a plan. Let's go from from three stores to seven. And and to do that, you had to do certain planning. Again, we knew these things. We had to get our operations standardized. We we really needed a better point of sale system that sort of tied everything together. Yeah. So we and, and we probably were going to need a, an office, you know, to, to make all that happen. So we we laid out the plans to do that. So we were going to go from three to seven over a two year period. 
All right, we knew how to do it. We're sort of getting off mm-hmm. of our, our deal. But sure. we also had a lot of people available at this point in time. Too. Gotcha. gotcha. So then while we're in the middle of that plan, and I think we had opened the fourth uh, uh, Skeeters out in the woodlands. It's sort of one of those that fell in our lap. They, somebody left it in a hurry, and we were able to sort of go into it. And, and, and it was a home run from the first day. Um, but all of a sudden, we get a phone call about Los Tios. And, you know, it was a, a typical blind call. You know, there's this concept. They, uh, uh, at that time, they were 30 years old. They had X amount of units. Uh, you know, we think your demographics are, are similar. You know, would you be interested in talking? They don't want to let you know who it is, you mm-hmm. know. Well, I know exactly who it was, you know. Sure. And, and uh, again, I grew up in Houston. I knew sure. their story. I knew their age. And, I think people and, knew that Rosemary was kind of wanting to slow down anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that sort of sort of popped that bubble and, and moved it along a little faster. And 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 I had also known in in Mrs. Garbett's case that she had she had gotten close a couple of times to, to selling, but her heart wouldn't let her do it, which I admired, you know, mm-hmm. in a certain way. And uh, so I didn't think a lot would come of it. So it, it, it was sort of a freewheeling negotiation. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we sit down, she and I hit it off. We talked and, and really we sort of closed a deal pretty quickly. Again, this is what I knew now. Their demographics were so similar to ours. Mm-hmm. You know, their family. Suburban family. Right. We're uh, in the same part of town. Lunch and dinner. Yep. You're right. A lot of similarities. Okay. okay. So, and I left out another important part. I'd been eating there since I was 16 years old. I knew their business as mm-hmm. a customer and as an operator. And, and, and so... I, I sort of knew what I was getting into. Now, we'll tell you a funny story. So we, we get to, we agreed to everything. We had the closing set. I remember telling Betsy, my wife, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going, we're going to go do the closing. And, and the last thing she said to me as I'm walking out the door, she says, now, remember the last three times we went in there, you said we'd never go back. Whoa. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, wow. Okay. Whoa. But, but that was because... It, it, it was a 30-year concept. They hadn't made many changes. Miss Garbett really was looking for a bit of an exit. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was it was sort of there, you know, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it, sure. It needed the improvement. It, it just needed some new blood. And I guess a question I have, and I think it's relevant because I think there's a lot of our listeners who are either in the business and saying, hey, how do I expand? I'll, I'll buy somebody else's restaurant. Or I want to be in the restaurant business. Gee, it might be the best idea instead of starting from ground zero. I'll take over somebody else's. But the question I want, I have for you, you know, if you were a Wharton MBA um, approach to the to life, you would say, okay, I'm going to buy this place, but I'm going to I'm going to look at its financials, its books, and I want to look for something that they're doing where maybe because the management's not going well, or they're not doing good marketing. I can come in. I see a lot of upside here. I can get into this place for a pretty good deal, but I have enough confidence that I can actually turn things around. So I'm buying in while they're maybe making X number of dollars a year in revenue and their profitability is X percent. I can turn this place around and really get it going. Um, How much of that kind of analysis did you dive into um, beyond the fact you knew the concept, you knew the people, you knew the demographics, you knew the location, you knew the geography of Houston. How much, you know, you came into this as a business guy and you were very clear that, you know, that you were looking at this as a business. How much of that played into this or was a lot of it just 
I, I think I understand this. I'm just going to, I know there's some risks here, but I, I'm going to go with it. No, it was more business. I, I'm not brave enough to, uh, I, I know this. Did, did you, did you crawl the into their books? Oh, absolutely. Okay. You know, got in the middle of them, but, but not to get, I, cause Lord knows I'm no Wharton MBA, but, mm -hmm. but, um, but, but I do know, you know, I do know, I do know what I know, sure. right? You know, I know food costs and I know labor and, and, uh, you know, usually, you know, if, if you've got those two down from an operation standpoint, and if getting back over to the, to the, uh, fixed costs, you get, if the leases, if you can work with the leases and then add into that, you look at the, the food and labor and I just knew we could improve on it. What so. changes did you make, uh, right off the bat that you felt were meaningful? None. That was the most <laughs> I remember important that. thing. Okay, yeah. well, you know, go with that. Let's talk it's, about well, that. Well, it's is as sort of fl not flat. Is is sort of um, dated as it was. Right. We it had this incredible, still does this incredible following, just a cult like following of customers, and we knew if we changed anything, that we would hear about it. And I'm telling you, I, I, I tell a great story that goes sort of hand in glove with, with that or a corollary to that story. So we were determined to leave the product where it was for a period of time. But we thought, well, man, we can make some physical improvements. And one of them we made were the bathrooms. You know, okay. every woman sure, particularly sure. likes clean well, restaurants. But that's a change. That's, yeah, that's uh, meaningful, well, I Yeah, that's a good improvement. Well, kind of like <laughs> so this, the great story I tell about it is uh, there's a store, I, you know, we have a store at Beechnut over in the Bel Air area, again, Meyerland, Beechnut, Meyerland area. And, uh, and a great, two great friends of ours, husband and wife, you know, they, they, I see them one day. So we changed the restroom is what I'm trying to say. Okay. okay so, sure. so, and we cleaned them up, retiled them, did everything, new fixtures, the whole deal. I thought that's pretty easy. You know, nobody's going to get mad at me for that. So anyway, I run into this couple not long thereafter. And, uh, and the wife says, God, Gary, I'm so glad you guys got a hold of, uh, Los Tios. You're just doing great things. She says, I got to tell you though, I was a little disappointed to see you change the restroom. Seriously. And now this is a, oh, this is, Lord. this is a husband wife team okay. that I love to this day. They're uh -huh. still great friends that are wonderfully successful in their life and live in a wonderful home that you would never think A and B, right? You right. never put these two together. But let me tell you the story. She says, you know, what happened is they got engaged in high school and in that Los Tios, mm -hmm. among all their friends, her husband fell to a knee and, and gave her the ring. And she said, you know, we were 18 years old, 19 years old. She said, what do we do? We all ran into, all the girls ran into the bathroom. And that's where I oh asked him to God. be my bridesmaid. Ah, okay. So, so that that sentimental right? Yeah, that's a little different. But than that's that. the way everything <laughs> in a restaurant was. Yeah. You know, yeah. that everybody, and I still hear them to these. It's great. You know, to this day, somebody's mother's fiftieth birthday was there, and they want to tell me the stories of, of what happened, and and it's long. It, of, of maybe a woman that's no longer with us. So it's. Los Tios is, an, is, is a mm -hmm. different duck, but now to get to where you were asking, we did have to make changes and we did have to upgrade. Mm -hmm. They were not really, they, they really weren't paying attention mm -hmm. to the fajita side of the, of the Tex-Mex business where really it was going. Mm -hmm. So we had to introduce fajitas. They had just a little, like one line on the menu for fajitas that were, that really just weren't a featured item. So we got in the middle of that. They only had one margarita. You know, well, we knew we needed to get into more feature margaritas. What we learned and in, in, in the way we did it was slowly. And we had the, 
-hmm. we had the ability to do it slowly. It might have been different if we had that, you know, investment banker leaning over the top of us, but we now, didn't, you know, we could do it at our own pace. That's a key point that you made that I think we should underline for a second, that there is, seems to be success in, uh, especially with something that's very, very well established. Like you mentioned, it has a tremendous following, big tradition. There seems to be success in working to the strength uh, and taking things slowly. People seem to maybe assume that those are um, improvements. Not dramatic change, change, oh, you know, it might mm -hmm. shake them up a little bit, but it's an improvement. So you went to the margaritas, obviously that's a natural, let's just improve the presentation and add more. Let's go to the Mexican food, obviously that's playing to our strength. Let's make the fajitas a slightly bigger deal. Okay, that, that really, really works. You didn't go in there, you know, guns a-blazing uh, to re-engineer a menu and add something foreign. Good for you. And the other thing that really hits me is the importance of talking to your guest. You may not know what's really that important to them. There may be things about your restaurant that keeps them coming back, if I'm hearing you right, mm -hmm. that you didn't even think about. You thought, oh, well, you like our food or we got a great margaritas. There may be something else that makes them come back all the time, and they're going to tell you what it is. Well, I would have never guessed that there was a group of ladies that held on to a memory of running to the restroom and finding out that they were bridesmaids. Yeah, I mean, now that's one for the book. That yeah. is from the book, but 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 it does underscore a point. You know, there may be other things about <laughs> that place right. where, that keeps people coming back that, you know, you, you may overlook. Well, it's you know, it's one. Well, you know, I don't know that I, everybody sees it, but it's it's absolutely one of the tenets of the business that. The customers will tell you what you want, what 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 they if you'll want. Take the time if to you'll listen. take the time to yeah. listen, yeah. and that's a lot of times that's hard to do. Um, but man, that's that probably comes from me being a, a, a waiter and server for for so long. You know, you you know you're you're there, you're working as a waiter or a bartender for did. your tips, right? Mm -hmm. So you better listen to what they want. That's going to improve your tip as your uh, business continues to grow. Um, how much has onboarding and training become? an issue for you to maintain the, the culture and consistency of what you're doing? Well, it, it, it a formal training program was not so important early because we were all so connected to each other. You know, we were in each other's stores all mm -hmm. the time. We were talking all the time. Uh, and, and so we sort of had developed this culture that, that sort of, you know, just by osmosis got into everything that we did. But now as we've gotten bigger, we've gotten more concepts okay mm -hmm. it's a different mm -hmm. ball game now yeah. so when we're training now we're not training just to you know serve from the left and take from the right we're training about where this company came from what we're trying to accomplish what our philosophy is on you know fixing a problem in mm -hmm. the unit it's it's not so much the technical skills of of how to cook a steak or, or how to serve a you know this that or the other it's much more our training is much more about the culture than it is the operations and, and you know culture is such an important aspect of the business um, you know it seems when we talk to guests including yourself it, it always seems to come back to the culture and people um, very little conversation about the food it's almost like well we, we got the food part down but the real challenge is to make sure that everybody gets us well, I mean, if you think of it sort of macro, you know, food should be a given, right? right? It's supposed, your food's supposed to be good. Exactly. You know, and that may be different from it's one It's a price of admission right? you know, but You know, yeah. but, but again, it, it, it's, it's supposed to be good. But that culture thing is, is, you know, it's hard to teach. 
Uh, Danny Meyer, the mm -hmm. New York restaurateur, talks about the hospitality gene. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody's got that gene. Right. You know, you've got to search for it. You've got to grab it. If you've got, if you if you're lucky enough to find that person mm -hmm. that's got that gene, you're halfway home. You know, because they're pleasers by nature. You know, how how can we? You know, the old saying. You know, the answer is yes. What's the question? Exactly. Sure. Sure. And a lot of operators, and I'll ask you this question, um, will say that, you know, gee, the, the, your general manager at each unit is so important for setting the tone. Um, what would you say about that? Well, I agree with that. I, I certainly agree with that. Um, that guy's the, you know, he's, uh, he or she, they're, they're, they're the leader. They're the, uh, they're, you know, I, we talk about it again all the time. It's easy to sit up in the office or the ivory mm -hmm. tower and say, golly, let's do that. Right. But but that 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 manager has to look that customer in the eye right you know and mm -hmm. i don't care if you're selling shoes if you don't believe in the product or or the theory mm -hmm. you're not going to do a very good job of selling them sure. you know and and so we've uh we, we spend a lot of time looking for the right right person so now we've got a couple of concepts you had to spend time on, of course, systems. You've got culture established. Thank God you're still leading through people because everything you did seems to have a continuum here. You start with knowing you've got the right people. So can you take us to the next step? New people now joining, family members joining, new concepts being developed. That's exciting. But how did that also rock the dynamic and how does all that work? Well, I'm not sure. Uh, the... Uh, <laughs> It, you know, so our big sea change as a company is when my kids came aboard. And that was so not by design. Really? And I'll, I'll, I'll give you just a, a little bit about it. Uh, so my, so my, my oldest is my daughter. And, and so she, now we've all live this restaurant business as a family. You know, we talk sure. about it all the time. We go to other restaurants. We, how do they run? We talk about marketing, what's working. You know, that's just, that's our hobby, if, if nothing else, as a family. So my daughter, who is now married, uh, she, her husband's in graduate school and they are living in California. Okay. So she starts telling me all the time, God, Dad, you got to see these places. They've got all this going on, you know, and, you know, healthy and, and so forth and so on. So I'm hearing all that. So, so keep that in mind. Here's right. Katie on one side, and she's she's got an eye out of, of what's what's next. Mm -hmm. My son graduates from school, and his degree was in finance. He really, I think, the same, just like me. I don't think he would have told you he was necessarily going to come in the business. I don't think he had shut the door on it. He had he all of my kids had worked as cashiers and busboys and all that all mm -hmm. the way. We always they always had a job in the stores, um, but. Anyway, he had he had gotten out of school. He had interviewed for a job, and uh, it was uh, it was during the like Thanksgiving break, and he got a good job. And so he was, but they had asked him, "We don't want you to start until January." Mm -hmm. So that was fine with him. That's gave him a month off to go have some fun. And then all of a sudden, he sort of came in, and it was it was in the insurance business. And uh, he came in one day, and he said, "You know, Dad," he said, "If if I've been thinking if." If my long-term plan would be to get back in the restaurant or to get into the restaurant business after I've been in something else mm -hmm. and I don't like it, now I'm going to be 30 years old and I'm going to have sort of this scar that I worked for the, you know, that, that, that I'm back out on the market and the new guy's not going to think that I'm really serious about my job. Sure, yeah. He says, let me, I think it's smarter if I go find out if I like it now. And then if, I, if it doesn't work out, 
nobody's going to hold it against me when I go out to to interview. Yeah, I follow that. Yeah. It seems that, that's wisdom. I yeah, think. and I thought so too. And so anyway, that's what we did. So he agreed to come to work for for us. Now I've got a third son. I'll talk about in a minute. But in this point, he's in high school. So. So my son, Nick, comes to work for us. We sent him to our furthest outpost so he wouldn't have to fool with me, you mm -hmm. know, and just learned with, with our best <laughs> training manager. Right. And he just ate it up. And he was really, he's a smart kid to begin with, but he, he knew the business by osmosis. And then on top of it, he, he engaged. Well, and, and that finance background, you know, that's... That's really valuable education in this business. Let's oh face gosh, it. absolutely. No, I, I learn from him every day still. I honestly, can I can imagine. And and so, now flash fast fast forward just a little bit. So back to Katie, who's got all these California ideas, and, mm -hmm. and Nick, who is now. We were about to bring Nick. He'd been with us for oh uh, probably two years. We were about to sort of move him into more of an office or management, you know, a middle management position. Uh, he'd been running a store on his own for about mm -hmm. a year. And uh, and then all of a sudden, a space came available. And it was where Adair Kitchen is now. Yes. All right. Yes. And so that space became available. We sort of went back and forth. Uh, it had been a Mexican restaurant. The landlord approached us about maybe just, you know, doing a quick conversion into a Los Tios. And it, it just didn't fit for Los Tios. But at the same time, uh, we had a lot of irons in the fire. We mm -hmm. were doing lots of different things. And so I basically sort of said, you know, I, I, I hadn't told the landlord this yet, but I told the kids, I said, I think we're going to pass on it. And uh, both of them t got together and called me the next day. And they said, Dad, we think this would be the perfect place for this California thing we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And Katie, by this time, had moved back to Houston with her husband. And... Uh, so they put together a business plan and, and all that goes with it, you know, the, the menu, they'd done all of that work and I didn't even know it. And they said, Dad, we think we can do this and we think it'll fit in that, in, mm -hmm. you know, in that market, which mm -hmm. is healthy and, and uh, it's got a little spending money and the things that go with it. So, well, you know, who am I to say no? You know, I mean, that's exactly what I had been doing my mm -hmm. whole life. But I did say, OK, if we do it, it's going to be a. A business deal you know it's going to be a partnership I, they had it both of them had a little money of their own i said you're going to put it put in your own they're going to have some skin in the game yep, from mm -hmm. your get-go mm -hmm. and that really changed the dynamic a little bit because so we got it open and it opened really well and i can i can spend a little time talking about that in a second but because it was successful early they really engaged in it okay Go so ahead. boom they're running that concept as their own you know, and I'm back. Just and this is called a dare market. This a dare kitchen. A dare kitchen. Gotcha. And it was just again one of those rare things in our business. It, it was just it was a hit the day we opened the door, and uh, it was fun and it was different and it was again this fast casual, this healthy fast casual that had not come to Houston yet. Mm -hmm. All right, there was there. You know, you're seeing them all over now, but right. that we were literally we just got there early. And, you know, the funny, it's a great family story that we tell all the time that, that Katie said, Dad, we've got to put on a kale salad. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, kale is a garnish. <laughs> you know, nobody is going to eat kale in Houston, Texas. Well, in short order, it was our number one there item. You go. And now, I just to take it further, every restaurant, including Los Tios, has some form of kale oh, salad sure. on yeah. it, you know. Yeah, sure. and, and again, now this is where I get to learn something big. And I, I've learned something every day, but this is where I really, you know, this was the aha moment for me that I, Gary, was no longer the target market for our own restaurants, for, for the industry. 
right? Mm-hmm. Forever, my guy, whoever I am, this is what you went out for. Right. But all of a sudden, grow I've got a 33-year-old daughter and a 30-year-old son, and I realize they're not looking for the same thing I am. Exactly. But they've got their finger on the pulse of your market. Absolutely. Right? They are my market. And they're going to tell you this is how it works. And, and you know, and, and believe me, I didn't just, oh, well, okay, well, let's go that way. All right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that easy. You so know? You, you were skeptical. You really had to be sold that, hey, this is the way the world's going. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, and, and, and we had normal, I think, normal family business grinds about all of that. Um, but you know, with love, you know, I mean, we never were mad at each other, but, sure. but, 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 but we argued about it. And, uh, but again, back to what I'm, you know, the, my learning moment, they are the target market Excellent. and point. that's who we need to be aiming at. We don't need to aim at 60 year old guys. We need to aim at, at 25 to 40 year olds. Clearly. And, and so that changed everything in our company. And so over a little more time, like I said, we've got Kale at even Los Tios now. Yeah. We've, we've brought in those younger things. Katie uh, Katie has such an eye for the for an ear for the market. You know, we, we had served, you know, a, a ch- Skeeters, going back to Skeeters, just mm-hmm. a, a neighborhood hamburger joint. We had a really a inexpensive, not very good wine. Mm-hmm. I said, Dad, we gotta have, we gotta have great wine. That's right, Girls, right. you know, go, two moms go out, they want a good glass of wine. I'm going, Katie, I don't think so, but, but by now I've learned my lesson. Yeah. All right, let's throw it on the menu. I got it, you know, it just exploded, you yeah. know, and then I found out that the $10 wine sold better than the $8 wine, you know, and, and, and people will pair a hamburger with a $30 bottle of Pinot Noir. It's incredible, you know, it's, but you know, the point there that deserves underlining is how we listen. I mean, how we learn when we listen and as business operators, it takes us a little while to get there. Well, and the second principle that I love that you made too, is that, you know, uh, the best menuing isn't necessarily menuing for ourselves. We got a menu for the target market. For the target market. And as you just pointed out, sometimes that changes. We're no longer the target market. Excellent principle we can all well, learn Well, look what I just said. you got to listen to the customer. Exactly. Right? Well, yeah. I wasn't listening to yeah. you. <laughs> I wasn't doing what I'm doing. I won't listen you know. to the customer except for when it's me. <laughs> That's exactly what was Talking about sea change and paradigm shift and all that good stuff, um, I like to shift the conversation into how technology is playing out. I mean, you've been in this, in this business a long time, so you've seen a lot of changes there. And along that same line, um, third-party delivery, online ordering. Uh, talk about what technology you're bringing on board. And I, I, I can imagine your your kids are kind of uh, directing some of that. And then also tell me about where you're standing on third-party delivery. I always have to ask that because, as you well know, it's uh, it's a tricky thing. Oh, it is. I, let me come back to, to uh, third-party delivery. I can hold court on that for a while, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but technology in general, we, we have always, I've always been a numbers guy to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I really got to know where the numbers are. And sure. In my day, you did them with a, you know, a pencil and a tin key and a spreadsheet, you know, but right. now the, you know, there's so much good stuff out there. And uh, so, you know, we've got a point of sale is is a huge deal. The, the new, the newest generation of, of point of sale that are out there, and I don't need to name any of the brands, right. but, but they're they're just incredible. And, Are you taking and, advantage and, of the dashboard analytics and all that stuff? Uh, you have to. You're yeah. crazy if you don't. It, yeah, as a right. multi-unit operator, you sure, know. Yeah. Again, if you're selling, I, we were talking about this the other day, soft drinks. Okay, if if you're a mom and pop and one Skeeters over at West U, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't make much difference if I if I charge an extra ten cents or not, right? Right. But if you've got ten restaurants 
and they're serving a hundred cokes a day, Absolutely. and that's a thousand cokes, and you're leaving ten cents on the ground. You know, you're hurting yourself. You're not being fair. You know, you're not being. You're not being. It's weird. You're not being fair mm-hmm. to your pocketbook. That's an easy way to say it, but that's really not it. You can't grow your business if you're not right. getting that. 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 Uh, Good point. That the game of pennies, isn't it? It is, and and so <laughs> we're really, you know. We spend a lot. We don't spend a lot of time, but but we we take a lot of effort and and pay attention to mm-hmm. technology. Now, how does that get into the new world? Well, look what everything that it's changed. You know, I, we can again spend a whole segment on social media. Sure. But 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 again, there's analytics to that. What do you learn? It's one thing to put you know a, a pretty picture up on Instagram, but you know. If you're an old advertising guy, a guerrilla advertiser like I was, you know, where we were doing flyers and mailers and, you know, all those things that we did years ago. Well, I've got a certain fundamental that I know what rings bells, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean I know how to make a, you know, to date myself, a yellow page ad be as effective as a a, a modern Instagram site. Yeah. And then the other thing is all of those platforms, you know, have to be fed every day. Right? Yeah, you know, or once a week, or, or whatever the case is. And so, if you don't know how to do that, you know, it seems easy. Okay, I've got an Instagram and a Twitter and a blah 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 blah. But they need to be fed. Those they're all like little mouths. But that's the bad news, I guess. Very little bad news from my standpoint. It's way better if you know if you get in front of it than you know the money that we used to spend on you know big stuff you know print ads and we had billboard runs sure. radio yeah. you know we've done all those things and now our budget's much lower uh it's much closer to what we all hope for which is word of mouth right uh, you know but uh but man it changes you talk about a fashion business it's something that changes daily right. do you have a dedicated kind of, social media person we have uh we go a little bit back and forth on it those are young people by nature absolutely you know, they're hard to hold on to sure yeah sure you know? so uh it's, it's crazy and because you've got multiple brands do you have like one marketing strategy that that works or do you alternate it depending on the casual service, the fast casual, the Mexican segment? The, how, how do you uh, approach it now? Well, you're asking me at a, I don't know if it's a good time or a bad time. It, we used to keep them sort of separate, but now we have made the sort of, you know, the sort of bigger decision to carry that thread through all the concepts. Very good. And, you know, you see those, you know, you see, we, we talked about Danny Meyer and, you know, he's got his whole string of deal. Sure. You've got McGuire Mormon in Austin that's doing some of that where this, but use old fashioned guys. I, I know y'all have done one of these podcasts with Levi Good, you know, he's right. got he, multiple he, concepts, but yeah. he holds on to that, that Texan theme through all of it. You look at the Pathos's, you know, you know, their I think their culture is built on on really on on quality. You know, that's mm-hmm. they're not trying to. It's not a logo, but it is a standard that they that they demand between all of their concepts. So, um, man, that's a it's a moving target and it's a real hard one and it's more important today than it's ever been. Now to get to your yeah uh, third to, party delivery. What, what a what a <laughs> sword there, huh? Uh, it's, it's uh, a family program. Well, <laughs> you know, we were so. I don't want to pick on any of them singularly, but, you know, so, but we all know the drill. They came on basically and they said, you know, you're going to pay 30% and you can't change anything and you, you know, you got to play by our rules. They were so successful early, uh, Uber in particular really blitzed the market and they were hot and so it was working. Uh, But all of a sudden, again, numbers guy, you look at it and you're going, I don't make any money on that deal. 
you know, I, mm -hmm. you know, if it's a $10 item and I pay 30% off the top, you know, in a 10% in a game, mm -hmm. you know, and then if you're in a, you know, again, depending on who you are, if you're in percentage rent, maybe at a, at a deal, so you, that now you're paying another, whatever your percentage rent sure. is on top of, you're giving the food away. And, and I think all of us fell in love with the volume over, over the, I don't know. Profit's not the right word. It's not profit. It's uh, no. It's no. Over, I think uh, you hit a good point. We cost. we hear all the time that it's really more of a uh, brand issue. It's more of a marketing thing, and you can't look at it as a standalone profit. It's a marketing center. expense. I mean, because right now I've talked to people who really follow the numbers, and I say, hey, is this cannibalizing your takeout and dining sales? Are you getting any incremental growth? And they'll look at me. Boy, that's a great question. I. I, I we don't know. Well, my guess would be in my own business is no. You know, I, I think more and more people are eating at home, you mm -hmm. know, and and so you you get to keep some of that business, right. but it's not, you're not going to convince them to come back out to eat. You know, it, it, you know, Thursday night is, mm -hmm. is their TV night. They're watching Game of Thrones or something, right. you know, so, uh, um, so it's. Are you on board with it? I mean, are you doing it? What we're doing in, you caught me just the right time to talk about it. Um, we we are treating our to-go business as a platform in its own right. Okay. Okay. So whether that is 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 ordered in the store, pick it up in the store, uh, uh, have it delivered by a third party. Uh, however, you know, online ordering is another big big thing in, in this deal. So what we're trying to do is standardize. The, this is important, the correct to-go menu. It's it, You're not doing anybody any favors to put your everything on your menu. What travels well. Yeah, exactly. It's got to travel or be easily prepared. It's good to hear you say that. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. people are accepting a, a different or slightly more limited, but still represents the brand. Right. And something you have confidence in that's going to travel well. It's got to travel. And it, maybe bring them back in to the restaurant or something. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Or and at least it keeps them away from another choice. Yeah. You know, it keeps your brand in front of them rather than the next guy on the right. list. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, it's important and, and it's important to be. Now, again, the good news is the delivery guys are, are under pressure or sort of loosening their rules a little bit. They're allowing, they're, they're coming down on their percentages. They're allowing you to, to uh, put delivery uh, margins into your, into your menu. They didn't allow that before. So, so it, it's evolving. It's, it's moving. So, okay. so, uh, What's Chris, next? You want to talk about our favorite five? So are we ready to uh, get into that? We could, we could, unless there's something else we left off. What's next for you and the company? You've got so much on your table. What's your next priority? Here? Our job in this whole year is to sort of tighten up, if that makes sense. You know, we want to get. Um, we 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 really are spending time on brand as a as a platform across all. You know, we now have six separate concepts mm -hmm. and. Okay. That's just important right now that we get we get all of those on one plane. You can still have Very full service over here and, and a hamburger over there, but they need to be on that same plane. Sure. And so that's what we're working hard well, on right good now. Good luck with that. Thanks. Um, what Barry was alluding to is we always do like to kind of wrap things up before we let you get away <laughs> uh, and ask just a couple of things that will let our listeners know just a little bit more about you. So if you wouldn't mind playing that game, we call I'll it try. the five Ready? I'll try. Okay, the first one is, could you tell us, please, what's your favorite go-to food item? <laughs> when you need something to eat or you need some comfort, what is it? 
Well, if, if we're talking about go out to eat, I'll drive down to the University of Houston and eat at Frenchie's Fried Chicken. I like it. <laughs> fried chicken, that's, that's okay. comfort. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm you with know, you. Frenchie's yeah. has been there since, Lord, yeah. since before I started at U of H. It's and, good. Uh, it is. Uh, some uh, sentimental. Uh, oh, yeah. Too, well, it's huh? good. Okay, I like that answer. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe you just answered the second question. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite restaurant anywhere in the world? If you had a choice to uh, jump on your private jet and go anywhere in the world, where would that be? Well, now we're back to that thing. I was telling you about I'm a 60 year old guy versus the 35 year old guy you know mm-hmm. I I'm I'm not I I don't do the hottest hippest restaurants anymore I just right. I, I just it's out of my you know it's just out of my realm I you're gonna think I'm you know anyway I still go to Los Tios as my sort of favorite place to go and have you know margarita and not worry about things and uh, you know can drive home that goes with that of course. Something tells me they take good care of you there. <laughs> I do get I do get pretty good service but I do I like our own places and, and now that doesn't mean I don't there's a lot around Houston that I do like and I, and I you know in, in the Houston market I'm a big Carrabba's you know and again I'm I'm a 60 year old guy I'm you know I like Claiborne's I like Carrabba's I like uh, Taste of Texas I Ooh, you know you got so, some good so ones on your list. So a lot yeah. of 30 somethings too by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. I, you know yeah. so uh, well, how about a favorite place, a uh, favorite place to visit or like a best trip? Uh, where would you go if you could? That's that's a great question. I, uh, I Last year, we were able to go when my son Nicholas was married a year ago. We we all uh, went to uh, to Italy. We went to Capri. And oh, I'm going to tell you, that was a pretty wow. good trip. But again, getting back to my own roots, and, mm-hmm. and this is just sort of the way I used to go, you know, and some of us can't do anymore. One of my old favorite trips there ever was was going to Nuevo Laredo to the old Cadillac bar. Now, politics has gotten so tough down there, you can't do that like That's you a used tough place to. But now, boy, you but used to go in there yeah, for a weekend and, yeah. and have a big time. Or just to New Orleans. I can hit all my haunts in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, everybody likes New York and everybody, San Francisco, uh, all these fabulous restaurants. But again, that's I'm sort of yeah. New Orleans comes guy. up quite a bit. Sure it does. Um, so, is there a particular person who really um, uh, influenced you in a in a significant positive way? A mentor, somebody who you uh, really can say, "Hey, that person really helped me with my career and my personal identity." Yeah, I, I've got a, a couple. You know, if if I sort of took the standard path on that. You know, from a business standpoint, Frank Roach would still be a guy that taught me, you know, more Mm -hmm. than anything. He was a business guy. He was no nonsense. He used to give me lectures when I was in my 20s that, you know, we'd have some issue that was important to me and I'd get upset if if I didn't get my way kind of deal. And he would sit me down after those meetings and say, Gary, this is a business, you know, business decisions. You know, let's keep, you know, let's let's think that way as we do those kind of things. Mm -hmm. You know, personally, I'm very blessed with 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 a 95. She's now 95 years old. My mother. Okay. Oh, really. And she was her. one of those great, great. Yeah, I'm just so blessed. I know it more today than I've ever known it. That whatever I thought I could do, she's she was behind me. You know, yeah. there were not many no's as That's far so as don't try it. So so that was a big deal. But I'll also tell you about a customer I had when I was again in my 20s, and he and I don't know his name. Okay, but he would come in a lot, and but I did. I never got to know him, know him. But he was a, he was this little guy, and I didn't know much about him at the time. I, I did learn later he he was a successful entrepreneur in a in a different way. But he gave me this little ditty that I've never forgotten. That learn your business in your twenties, do it in your thirties, enjoy it in your forties. Mm-hmm. 
And I've never let go of that. You know, when you're in your 20s, what can you do? Anything you you got that's time. A, that's a pretty good directive. Yeah, you know, and and work hard, and and you can you know you can you can work all the hours in the world. Who cares? You know, you don't have many responsibilities. In your 30s, now you you got it. Get it out there. Continue to work hard, but really, you know. But by the time you get to your 40s, you sort of know how you, what you're doing with it. Right. And so I, I sort of followed that. And it's uh, a pretty good passage to live by, which yeah. is the very yeah. next question. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. And uh, so the final question, um, a favorite book. Uh, and now you gave us a good passage there, but uh, is there anything that you read or any, even just a poem or a line from a book that, you know, kind of is uh, something you... Well, to keep it in our restaurant world here in the restaurant theme, I, I certainly have read, you know, uh, Danny's book. And, and I and I think that just says a whole lot about, about how to run a platform. But I, I read some of those other, again, insider books, you know. Uh, you know, Dave Thomas's Wendy's book is an incredible book about how to take a store over and, and uh, you know, because he had been an operator for so long before he started Wendy's. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the guy, uh, Tom Monahan, that started Domino's. It's, yeah. it's got this little bitty mm -hmm. book that you'd never think to buy. But man, you talk about a guy that went through the ringer five different ways, but yet he continued to survive because he, he, he plotted along. So. I read them all, you know. That's so, great. Uh, anyway, I'm 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 very blessed to have uh, found this business, have been a part of it, and and in you know and, and to see my family come into it. That's a big deal. That's that's really wonderful. That's very nice. And we we are blessed, uh, you know, by you today. Absolutely. Uh, we are so so thankful that you were able to spend some time with uh, Barry and myself and cover all of this material because you shared some pearls of wisdom and a lot of good good examples that I think our listeners are going to profit from. So thank you, Gary. Well, I appreciate y'all having me. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed oh, it really did. Much. Thank you for joining us on the Corner Booth, Gary. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. And special thanks to our friends at Lone Star Liquor Licensing Company for sponsoring today's program. Don't forget, listeners, whether your needs are retail, catering, wholesale, or manufacturing, whether you're opening or renewing, contact Lone Star Liquor Licensing at LoneStarLiquorLicense.com. Hey, thanks for joining us today on The Corner Booth. Until next time, it's Chris Tripoli and Barry Schuster saying thanks so much. Hope to see you again soon right here in The Corner Booth. Till then, go make it a good shift.